You're listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Clint Wright. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday's service now. Uh, today is kind of a bittersweet day because we are closing our study of the book of Colossians, which I've loved, I've grown, I've, um, I'm going to miss it, uh, frankly. I once heard Garth Brooks say, you know, only two things matter, how you begin and how you finish. And if you've ever been to a Garth Brooks concert, you know he lives by those words. So today, Paul is finishing. He's wrapping up the book of Colossians. But I got to be honest, first time I opened it and I read it, it doesn't sound like Paul took Garth's, Garth's advice, okay? They didn't talk about that. Because you, first reading, you open it, it seems kind of like an anticlimactic finish. I mean, especially considering where we've been. We've, we've read some of the, the, the deepest, most profound, amazing words of theology ever written. And then it closes, it, it kind of reads like a, a laundry list, you know, a list of some people and some errands he and personal requests that he has. But looks can be deceiving. And so I'm going to encourage us to look a little deeper this morning because most of the book, I would argue, most of the book of Colossians, it's been profound theology. But today we're going to see the profound practice of that theology. It's like this. Imagine, you know, I'd spent the past few weeks explaining shooting stars to you telling you all the facts, all the science, everything you could ever want to know about a shooting star. But then comes the day where we all go outside and we look in the night sky, and there it is. And that's the best part, right? Today, we get to see, it's as if these amazing things that Paul has been explaining to us, we get to see them shooting across the night sky. Here's our big idea for the morning. Here's what I think Paul wants us to take away as he's introducing us to all these other people. It's this. In the body of Christ, there are no small parts. In the body of Christ, there are no small parts. So let's begin reading. Chapter 4, we'll pick it up in verse 7, and we'll make it through the end of the chapter, Lord willing. Verse 7, Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, which is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. So Paul introduces us to two of his messengers, Tychicus, Onesimus, and he he lists three characteristics of each of them. So Tychicus, he's a beloved brother. He says he's a faithful minister, he's a fellow servant. Onesimus, he's faithful, he's beloved, and he is also a brother. So I don't know if you've noticed, these are, these are words of high praise. Paul, uh, it's clear he honors these men, he values them, they, they seem indispensable to Paul. I don't know that we would necessarily see them the same way, just naturally, if, if we were around back then. See, in the in the story of Colossae, we, we would probably say, Paul's the hero. I mean, he's the one saving the day from all the heretics. He writes this amazing theology that becomes some of the most beloved parts of Scripture. Paul's the man. These other two guys, you know, they're essentially mail, mail carriers. That's what they are. They're delivery men. You know, think about when you get a package in the mail. 
I'm not you. I'm usually excited about what's in the package. That's the main event. What do I get? This is awesome. So I think about the contents. I may think about who the package is from. So, you know, that matters. If it's, if I get there and I got a package from grandma, then I'm getting a gift. If it's from like the gas company, it's a bill. So who it's from, I, I pay attention to that. How often in that whole process, though, do you think about that delivery person, the mail carrier, the package delivery? They seem to us naturally kind of like the, the least important part of this whole gig, of this whole process. But without them, the package doesn't get delivered. And so Paul, he honors, he praises, he values these other men because he understands the church isn't just about one person. It's about all the people. It's about the whole body of Christ working together. And in verse 8, Paul tells us, he says, I'm not, I'm not just sending them just to hand over a letter. He says, I'm, I'm sending them not just to deliver my words, but to encourage you. See, to Paul, what's just as important as the letter getting delivered is how it gets delivered. And see, so any, anyone, anyone can just put a letter into your hands. He knows it's going to take relationship. It's going to take love for the words to make it into people's hearts. Without these beloved brothers, faithful ministers, fellow servants, this letter will never have its intended impact on the people that Paul is sending it to. And so I, I think Paul would say, and he's right, these other people, they are just as important to the ministry as I am. In the body of Christ, there are no small parts. Everything, every step of the process is important when it is done in the name of Christ. I read a quote by old Scottish Baptist pastor this week. A guy named Alexander McLaren said this, What have big and little to do with things that are indispensable. And too often we think of things, some think jobs are big in the work of Christ, some are little in the work of Christ, but that's not the way we need to think about it in reality. They are all indispensable. Think about the situation Paul's in right now. He physically cannot deliver his letter. He's in prison. He has to have somebody help him to, to take it over there. At the same time, Tychicus, Onesimus, they can't write the letter. They are not apostles like Paul is. They were not moved by the Holy Spirit to write down the word of God. So Paul is indispensable to them as well. All were indispensable to one another. And without all of them together, y'all, we don't get the book of Colossians. You know, it's the same around here. Listen, I can put a lot of work and plan a great sermon, and one day I will. The, the worship band, they can practice and put together a great worship set without the AV guys in the back and the people that help us with that. You won't hear any of it. It won't matter. In fact, we had several guys had to come up here not long ago just during the middle of the week to help us with some issues we were having because we knew if that's not fixed, it's going to be a distraction, so it doesn't matter what else that we do. You know, in the same way, we know that just a few of us on stage are not enough to mature people in Christ. Y'all, at best, the best just me can hope to do is make a church in Tinder for two years. And after two years, they'll get bored. I'm not that entertaining. And go somewhere else. It doesn't create disciples. Creating disciples takes all the people, all the people. Just today, we had so many people teaching, showing hospitality, Praying, reaching out, sharing, living generously, encouraging. It's everyone doing all the relational work that really does the heavy lifting around here. 
Because in the body of Christ, there are no small parts. You know, there's a statement in Colossae. Every single beloved brother, faithful minister, fellow servant was indispensable to the Lord's work, to the theology that Paul was sending them. But there's more. There's more. Because next we're going to meet even more co-laborers with Paul. Let's pick it back up in verse 10. It says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, which is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you. And for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. So, y'all, we get six more people just in these few verses that Paul finds indispensable. He says in verse 11, three of them he calls men of, of the circumcision. That means they're Jews. And so he says there's three Jews here that have struggled with me. One of them's right next to me. He's right here in prison with me. Now, think about this. Paul, at one time, he was the Jew of Jews. He was like a Jewish celebrity. But now... We're down to just three other Jews, struggling with them, laboring with them, working with them, all because he decided to take part in the work of the kingdom. But you know, you read this, and Paul's not mad about it. He's not bitter about it. He, in fact, he's rejoicing it over it because he says, and they, they have been a comfort to me. That word comfort, it means exactly what you think it means. It means consoled. It means uh, it inherently requires feeling discouraged, feeling downtrodden. It means inherently that you are experiencing difficulties that are causing you great distress. And then someone comes and comforts you and consoles you in the midst of that. So did you know that even, even Paul, even the great Paul got discouraged? Even he wasn't a lone ranger. Even his ministry wasn't all sunshine and roses. I mean, think about it. He, here he sits. He's in prison. He's lost his freedom. He's having to write this letter because he can't physically go there, which is what he really wants to do. And he's writing because there's threats and there's difficulties arising in the church. And so I, you, you compare Paul when he was the Jew of Jews to now as he sits in prison with just three men of the circumcision with him. I think you'd have to say, you know, for Paul following Christ has introduced two things into his life. Number one, it has introduced new, profound struggle in his life. Hasn't it? But number two, it has introduced new, profound comfort into his life. He says this comfort has come to him in the midst of the struggle, and it has come from others in the body of Christ. One of them, he says, is right here with me, sitting right next to me. I'm not alone. Because in the body of Christ, there are no small parts. Paul is not, and he cannot do this by himself. You know, the, 
The reason, I think God designed the body of Christ this way, the the reason every part of the body of Christ is indispensable is because, y'all, church is very different from Disney World. I know. I wish it was like Disney World, but it's not. But so many times, you know, it's so easy to, to come into church and expect the church to forever and always be the happiest place on earth, you know. We all get along, nothing but positive and good experiences all the time. But if you're here for about more than five minutes, you quickly realize that's not the reality. And if you expect Disney World, when you come to church, God will be, listen, he's going to be more than happy to violate your expectations. Usually through me. I'm going to be one of them. You know, when we join the work of God's kingdom in this world and in this life, the Bible uses a couple different metaphors for that, for, for what happens in that transition. One of those metaphors War. You are signing up for war. You are enlisting in God's army. It gets worse. The other metaphor, death. Death. You are signing up to take up your cross and die to yourself. Now, I don't know if you've been in a war. Clearly you haven't died yet. But I think we can all assume war and death, each of those is going to introduce some difficulties into your life, isn't it? Make no mistake about it. When you follow Christ, you are introducing new, profound struggle into your life. And, and through the body of Christ, you are also introducing new and profound comfort. I've experienced, I know many of you here have experienced it. This is why Paul and you and I need the body of Christ. The struggles will be greater than you can do on your own. If they were too great for Paul on his own, they're going to be too great for me on my own. So you need the comfort that you can't provide on your own. And this is why in the body of Christ there are no small parts. But we're not done yet. So in verse 12, Paul mentions another man, a man named Epaphras. Now, Epaphras in Colossae, he was a big deal. So he was actually the man who planted the church. He started the church. Paul actually had never been there. Epaphras was Paul's disciple, and he eventually left and went out and planted the church in Colossae. Colossae would have never existed if it had only been Paul and just Paul. No, Paul, they spent some time together, and then they, they went out. So you could say, okay, Maybe Paul's not the hero of the story. Maybe it's Epaphras. Maybe he's the really important one. But notice what Paul says about him. Four things. He's a servant. He struggles for you. He always prays for you. And he works hard for you. Notice everything he does is for others. Paul's saying, listen, Epaphras... He's not prideful. He's not demanding recognition. He isn't frustrated all the heretics and the the people questioning the gospel. He's not focused on himself. He remains as faithful and humble as ever, serving, struggling, praying, working for the good of others. There is only one way a guy like Epaphras can keep that attitude. It's when he understands that in the body of Christ there are no small parts. See, we... When we forget that, we can go astray two different ways, one side or the other. So on one side, you can think, well, you know, I'm, I'm not important. I'm not Paul. I'm not Epaphras. And so, I, I, I don't know, I just deliver the mail. That's all I do. What difference can I make? Well, we can also err on the other end where we can think, I'm important. 
I'm more important. Look at all the things I do. Look at how much I serve. Look at all the, the microphones I have in front of me. Surely I'm more important. And then when we get that into our hearts, we start expecting to be served instead of serve others. And so, listen, we may work hard. We may struggle, but it becomes for us instead of for others. Listen, if anyone, if anyone had a right to think they were a big deal and they were more important, it was Christ. I mean, he was God. He was perfect. But what do we read about him in Philippians 2? He was God, but he became a servant to all. And therefore, we, his followers, we are to consider others better than ourselves. We are to look to the interests of others, not just our own. This is what Christian leadership looks like. A recognition that although the body has different parts, it has no small parts. Each part serves, struggles, prays, works hard for the others. And finally, excuse me, finally, we reach the end of the book of Colossians with Paul's final charge, starting in verse 15. He says, give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it read, I'll have, also, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans and see that also you also read the letter from Laodicea. Say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. So in his closing words, what does Paul talk about? People. That's what he talks about. We meet Nympha in verse 15. The church was in her house. Y'all, it would be, it would be about another 200 years before the church met in buildings like we do now. And, and so that whole time, churches met in homes. And so just like the letter doesn't make it without the messengers, and Paul has no comfort without his Co-workers, listen, this church doesn't exist without a woman named Nympha who opens her home. Verse 17, we hear about a guy named Archippus. Now, who is Archippus? Yeah, we don't know. We don't know. It, no other record of this guy. We don't know what he did. Uh, he, not a big deal. Nobody knows. Uh, He isn't famous like Paul. He didn't go on to plant a bunch of churches or write some great books or contribute to theology. But in the body of Christ, there are no small parts. And so he might not be famous like Paul, but Paul recognizes that he has a role to play. And notice what Paul tells him. Look at that. Now, Paul could have told him, hey, tell Archippus to help me in my ministry. I I need some more help. He didn't say that. Because Paul knows it was, it's not Paul's ministry. It's the Lord's ministry. And just as the Lord gave it to Paul, the Lord also gave it to some guy named Archippus. So Paul, Paul's telling Archippus, listen, man, you received the same thing from the same person that I did. It's all from the Lord. God gave you the ministry. God gave me the ministry. And it is also given to untold amounts of people that y'all, we've never heard their names before. We have no idea who they are. So who is Archippus? I think in a sense, gang, we're all Archippus, each and every one of us. 
All who are in Christ have received the same thing from the same person. We have received the ministry that is in the Lord. And so the closing of Colossians reminds us, the work of the kingdom, people matter most. It's given to people. It is for people. There are 11 people just in this passage alone that are participating in this ministry from the Lord that is the Lord's design in his doing. Real people with real names and real relationships with real struggles and real comfort. And they're all a part of the work of the kingdom. So I, I couldn't think of a better way to close our study of Colossians than by doing what, exactly what Paul does in these verses. We are going to all together, we're going to identify and celebrate the work of the kingdom in people. Not by just generally describing it, but like putting a name on it and saying, there it is, I've seen it in my life. And so we're going to have everyone here do just like Paul did and write a letter. Now, we've got some people who are going to come and they're going to pass out some cards. So if you're one of the volunteers that's going to pass out cards for this morning, now's the time uh, to go grab those and start passing out. Mary will meet you in the back and give you what you need. Now, uh, hopefully you're not going to write a letter as long as Paul did, okay? Uh, you don't have to write a long one. In fact, we have a basic template that you can use. So, Clinton, can we go ahead and pull that up? Uh, you can write really whatever you want, but if you don't know what else to do, here's the format that you can use. Dear, put in there, you're going you're gonna to give this to somebody, a real, actual person, okay? And you could say you are, like Paul said, you're faithful. You're a beloved brother or sister. You're, you're hardworking. You're an encourager. By and whatever they've done for you, you have, maybe they encouraged you. Maybe they comforted you. Maybe they strengthened you. Maybe there's a time they filled you with joy. But think about who is someone in the body of Christ that has played no small part in your life. And maybe they don't even know. Maybe it seems small and insignificant to them, but God used it. Maybe one time they sat with you, just like Paul's got a friend sitting with him in prison. Maybe they comforted you. Maybe they served you and encouraged you. Maybe they hosted you like Nympha did. Maybe they helped you fulfill the ministry that you had received from the Lord. So it could be someone here. It could be someone that's not here, someone that lives in another town, state, whatever. But whoever it is, think about that person. We're going to give you just two or three minutes to write a short note to that person. You can put it in the envelope, put the name on it, uh, and then we will come back and we'll close out the service. We also have some pens. So if you uh, have a pen, need a pen, you don't have one, just raise your hand. We'll get you a pen. And then let me say uh, to the kids. So if you're a kid here, you get one too. And if you're not where you can write yet, you know what? My kids, when they were too little to write, you know what they used to do? They used to just draw a picture. And so you can do that. You can just draw a picture of something in the church somebody's done that, that makes you happy or that has helped you. So we'll keep passing those out. Everybody get one, get a pen, and we'll give you two or three minutes to write your note. Let's identify the work of the body of Christ together. Here's my challenge to you this week. If that person is here today, give them that envelope before you leave. If they're not here today, make sure they get it this week. But maybe this isn't the last letter you write this week. This week, periodically, just spend some time remembering, being thankful for the people in the body of Christ who have come alongside you in different times. And maybe you're in a prison right now, and it is not fun. But you know, it's those times 
sometimes that we realize all the people that have served us and encouraged us and comforted us. So this week, let's be an encourager like Paul. Let's remind the people of the, that there are no small parts in the body of Christ. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. If you have questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at BethelBible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.